the fact that I couldn't have an orgasm with my partner when I was 21 and I really want to deal with that. You want me to talk about this whole sexual healing that I've had to go through privately? Like, how embarrassing. So I had this real, like, moment of, like, what are people going to think about this? Welcome to Facing Forward, a conscious lifestyle podcast hosted by me, Kara Ladd, featuring deep, heart-forward, soul-centered conversations to catalyze growth, healing, transformation, and wonder in your everyday life. Hello, everyone from Palm Desert. Been here for the past week, and it has been pure magic. My battery is feeling so charged. I'm currently looking at snow-capped mountains and palm trees all at once. Like, what? Didn't know that was a thing out here. But what is just as magical is this episode. It is one full of juicy depth and intel on love and sex and relationships, the divine feminine, and so much more. In this episode, I connect with Alexandra Roxo, best-selling author who just released her latest book, Dare to Feel, a guide on the transformational path of the heart. And wow, it is truly such an important read for the time we are living in. Alexandra is an empowering, radical force and soul-centered thought leader. She is a podcast host, coach, filmmaker, speaker, artist extraordinaire. I connected with Alexandra at her Find Your Voice retreat at Kapalu many moons ago. It was about a month after I left my full-time gig as an editor at Hearst, and I just really remember Alexandra's somatic healing and embodiment work cracking my heart and soul open. It was really just such a beautiful and awakening experience to work alongside her, as well as Ruby Warrington. And I'm just so excited because all of you will get a taste of her energy and her work and her magic in this episode. We discuss why so many of us have sexual shadows, a lot of which are lying beneath our consciousness, how to embrace sacred sex and sexuality, as well as her thoughts on sex magic and manifestation. We chat about tips on creating and maintaining deep, heart-opening, soulful relationships, the importance of understanding one's own emotions and communicating them effectively in a relationship, the transformational journey and portal of becoming a mother, and so much more. I really, truly adore Alexandra and the work that she puts out into the world. And without further ado, here is the divine force that is Alexandra Roxo. Sandra, it is an honor to have you here, truly. Thank you so much. It's great to see you again. It feels like such a blast from the past, nearly six or seven years ago now. I attended your and Ruby's Find Your Voice retreat, so this is just such a beautiful full circle moment for me right now to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I remember... Even though I've led so many retreats over those years, over these years, I remember you standing in front of the room and sharing your story mm. to a group of 50 women. And I remember being moved to tears and just mm. so touched by the depth of your story and what you've transformed this lifetime. And yeah, it's lovely to remember that retreat. I remember the room. I remember, I don't remember I what too. you were wearing. <laughs> I do. I remember, but I remember, yeah, how sacred and deep that share was. Oh, thank you so much. And it was honestly, I'll have to like 
mirror it back to you and kudos to you because it's all because of your just catalytic work and really cracking me open. That was such a transformational time for me when I was leaving my nine to five and going full-time freelance. And look at me that now, that was just a little intention seed that has just bloomed because of <laughs> your and Ruby's work and a ton of other healers. But speaking of catalytic moments, how I typically like to start off these conversations is taking us back to an aha moment that really informs the work that you put out into the world today. This may be a loaded question for you because you have so many just like very rich, very transformative, very deep moments. So perhaps mm. you can share a few, but if one stands out in particularly that informs the work that you put out into the world today. Mm-hmm. So I've been on a spiritual path and a healing path for a long time. Like I talk about in my first book, Fuck Like a Goddess, that, you know, when I was 21, I traipsed into my Buddhist therapist office and I was like, hey, I can't figure out how to orgasm with a partner. And I, I know I've got like a block here. Like, let's, let's deal with it, right? Let's, let's deal with it together. That was my first like step into real healing. Now, my spiritual path had had begun a long time prior and I had been pretty deep in my yoga and meditation practice and my earth-based feminine spirituality practice for years before. But that didn't mean I was healing. You know, that didn't mean I was on a conscious looking at my blocks, looking at the barriers that I was holding in my body, mind, spirit. So, I I I'm saying this as a bit of a preface. Hmm. So, I was on the spiritual path. I was on the healing path, but it was still kind of private, you know, like it was something I wouldn't bring up at every dinner party. I wouldn't be like, yeah, I've been reading tarot cards since I was 15. Yeah. I've been going to, I went to witch camp or like, yeah, I, I go and meditate in the bathroom sometimes, you know, at the airport. This was back in like 2004, right? A long time ago now. So that none of that had hit the mainstream yet. Like that was yeah. still pretty weird to go like, oh yeah, of course I go meditate in the bathroom at the airport before the flight, or I'm meditating on the flight, or I'm chanting my mantra or whatever, or I'm doing my moon ritual. So my, the first part of my career was in film and TV. And all of that was just like a part of my inner world, but not public. So my real turning point was when. I heard in the depths of my heart, like, this actually has to become a part of your work in the world, mm -hmm. not just for you. And I was like, okay, that seems really embarrassing. <laughs> because for someone that had agents at Creative Artist Agency in LA, and I had been, you know, directing for United Airlines, and I was acting with the director, you know, Steven Soderbergh, and I was like, wait a minute, all of a sudden you want me. I'm talking to spirit in my head or goddess or whoever. I'm like, all of a sudden you want me to like be public about my sort of private spiritual beliefs and practices and healing path, right? Like mm -hmm. the fact that I couldn't have an orgasm with my partner, you know, when I was 21 and I really want to deal with that. You want me to talk about this whole sexual healing that I've had to go through privately? Like how embarrassing. So I had this real like moment of like, what are people going to think about this? 
Like that seems quite embarrassing to share this stuff. And so private, right? This is my me between me and God, my me and goddess, me and myself. So when I left the film and TV world and was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write about my journey publicly, I'm gonna share about it. That was the turning point for me because I was like, there's no going back now. I mean, there is in a way that sounds quite final, but it was like, now I have to live all of me and live all of me in every relationship. And before then I hadn't attracted partners who were representative of all my deep spiritual values or the level of consciousness that I was really living at. And so I knew it was like, everything's going to change as I come into alignment on the inside and the outside with the truth of who I am. Why do you feel like collectively so many of us, I mean, so many of us, I'm sure can relate to your story of just collective shame, like that sexual shadow. Why do you think that's so prevalent within society right now? And do you feel like there's a shift happening? Well, we don't have to look very far to look back to our ancestors. And most people that I know, if you look at your ancestors, they were not, oh, honey, not allowed to talk about their sexuality. Mm -hmm. Family secrets and all kinds of things were passed down from generation to generation. And at being in a sex positive environment was not one of them. You know, a lot of us come from deep sexual repression which leads to dysfunction, which leads to shame and often abuse. So there's a lot of that that we're healing. And it's very scary to be like the first person in your family who's like, I want to talk about this. I want to heal this. I want to consider this. Now, the same is for emotions, even just emotional expression. There is a deep thread of repression that mm. runs through most of our genetic makeup. And I would say, spiritually speaking, we're terrified on some deep cellular level because the women in Western indigenous Europe that were publicly midwives and herbalists and healers were killed brutally during this, the Inquisition, which was essentially a part of the reform of the church. And mm -hmm. so um, that runs in our blood too. Like there's a deep witch hunt fear, I think, in our cellular DNA that a lot of a lot of women specifically it's like wait a minute i can't come out about this right and the same is for the sexuality piece it's like i'm going to be branded a whore a jezebel a, a witch right like these deep architect archetypal textures that live within mm -hmm. us that we were taught to repress why because it's safety and because we would not be safe in the past if we would have lived those openly so for now, we're like really doing some deep healing work to be able to live into those things openly. There are many places around the world where that is still very unsafe, right? Very unsafe. So there is a lot of collective shift still in process. Obviously, we can, we can you know, be aware of that by just opening up any news outlet. Mm -hmm. But I do think that a lot of us have been moved to join in that collective healing. What is your experience with, I mean, you, you said you were, you were, your orgasms were blocked. Like what was that experience? Like moving through that, that healing journey and like breaking open and really embodying this like sacred, sexual, divine, feminine energy. Like what did that journey look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So 
for me at that time, it really came down to trust and surrender. And could I really surrender, let go of control with a beloved, right? And that time I was so in love and I had the most incredible boyfriend and we lived in Portland together. And so I had just a deep desire to learn how to surrender to this boyfriend and I couldn't like, because my nervous system was wired in a way of a bit of hypervigilance and fear in the, in the face of sexuality. I had gone through some abusive sexual situations as a teenager and in early adulthood, which had probably contributed to sort of like, Ooh, I don't know if I can trust men or boys or, you know, I think there, he was probably still a little bit of a boy back then at age 21, but yeah. But there was something like, I don't know, can I trust to let go and to open into this like very vulnerable state? Orgasm is a very vulnerable state, right? Where we let go of control. Um, So for me, it was really working on a psychological level and an emotional level through learning how to relax with someone that I trust, learning how to let go of control and surrender into the arms of someone that I trusted. And to do that, I had to really first investigate why I had kind of closed down to trusting men and what were some of the indicators as to why I wouldn't surrender, right? And I appreciate my very you know, sweet 21 year old spirit that was like, I want to deal with this and I want to heal this now. Right. I want to look into this because I want to be able to surrender to love and to intimacy in this deep way. And it was great. And it worked and it worked. And I I remember that orgasm with the first one with that partner, with that boyfriend. We had candles around the tub. We were in the tub together drinking honey wine. It was so romantic, you know, and it was so just gorgeous in that I finally let myself be held and let go with a partner. And, and that was healing for me. That was that, that was the journey, you know, but Mm. it doesn't mean, you know, there, there are different reasons why we don't trust, whether we don't trust money, love, sex, and that's part of the healing journey. And then we move into a place where we practice opening beyond those fears. And that's part of the spiritual practice. Right. And you're really, to dovetail off of that, my mind is going to almost sex magic and like the intersection of sex and manifestation. I mean, it's such a sacred process, but we're conditioned to really think of ourselves as like more primal, like, you know, physical, like just in the physical, but there's such a spiritual experience happening during sex. Like what's your perspective on the intersection of sex, sexuality, and manifestation or like sex magic, which I know is kind of like trendy right now. Yes, I love that. Yeah, the spiritual trends <laughs> kind of come and go. And I've I know. been on this path for a while. And I remember buying all of the like Tantra and sex magic books like in my early 20s. Back then, I don't think there was Amazon.com. So it's like, I, I don't, I bought a stack of these books and they were used. So I I must've gotten them from some online bookseller. And I remember there was some with like the cheesiest photographs of like couples practicing, you know, different sexual techniques and things. And I was, Mm. I was interested. I've always been interested. I think that it's tricky with manifestation and sex because first off, and I, I was just at a talk given by Michael Singer, who is the author of The Untethered Soul, and he, he lives so close by here. So he has this beautiful place called Temple of the Universe. 
And one thing that he said that made me laugh was just like, if we don't understand the nature of self and the nature of consciousness upstream from our conditioning, our sacred wounds, etc., then we if we listen to our desires without really knowing how to get upstream into the nature of consciousness, then we're essentially listening to desires from conditioning, from mm. wounding, from our kind of lower, lower is the, uh, not a word I really like, but from our like very finite self, I'll say finite instead of lower. So the thing about manifestation is like, you have to have such a clean lens in terms of you have to have dug into your conditioning, your biases, your wounding, your parts. You have to know what part of me is manifesting. Ooh, this is in this part of me that wants to manifest that or this one. Mm. So before I would say for someone to become a practitioner of like sex magic or, or manifestation magic, I would say you've got to have done your due diligence because you can manifest from wherever. You can manifest from your deepest, most wounded self. <laughs> and she'll still totally. manifest for you. Look, I've done it. I have done it all. Me um, too. Me too. <laughs> and totally. and that there's nothing wrong with that. Like, let that be a part of your journey. You know, if that's a part of your journey and you want to ma manifest from that self, and then the most important thing is that you just keep going, right? You don't get stuck in that particular phase. But when it comes to sex, and then that, that now you're adding in another human. And if they haven't done their work cleaning the lens, then you're trusting their manifestation power. You're trusting that their gaze of heart is pure and compassionate and coming from a beautiful place. That's a lot mm -hmm. of trust to put in another human. And I know practitioners who've been practicing for a long ass time, and they still would probably say like, I wouldn't practice with most people because even I've been practicing for 20 years and I'm still, I still got all kinds of mess I'm projecting onto, let's say my partner or onto my desires or manifestations. So all, I say that all as a bit of a disclaimer because people, what, the manifestation work or the sex magic work does is often appeals to the part of us that is the wanting more, 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 more money, yes. more things. It's like, I have another way I can get more, right? So if you're going to practice sex magic, first practice sex magic to manifest healing for this world, manifest peace on earth, manifest healing in your neighborhood, manifest food for all the unhoused people in your neighborhood, manifest healing for your grandma who has emphysema, you know, and then, and then after you've done that for a while, then start manifesting, you know, your million dollar income or whatever. Right. And that's how, you know, you're a real practitioner. And look, if you just want to manifest for, you know, things and, and you know, whatever there's, I'm not judging you. Cause I have those desires too. Like I'm wearing a gold necklace with diamonds on it and you know, et cetera. Like I love beautiful things, but it's tricky when we start getting into those realms of like playing the goddess and we don't really factor in how am I using my power to impact the, what the, the love of everyone. Is it all about me? So you, you can get me on a big rant about this, obviously. Oh, yeah. 
No, I mean, totally. I feel like there's so many people that are, that are manifesting through this like untamed vessel or this like egoic vessel and they don't really realize it. And so I think getting to the root and like you're saying and getting really safe and getting really clear and connected to that, you know, your core self, your authentic self, like how, how does one do that? What is your perspective on that? I know you have so many embodiment rituals that I've used personally and that I have experienced. Like what, how, what is like, a few rituals that someone can do to really like tune into themselves. So they maybe don't need a partner. So they're maybe just practicing on their own embodied, you know, sexual sacred journey. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the first is more in the therapeutic space, which I talk about in my first book, Fuck Like a Goddess. It's just get to know your 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 patterns and habits, right? Get to know those little sneaky voices and stories inside of you. You don't have to judge them, just, you know, noticing them. Like, oh, I often can be critical of myself or really hard on myself or I'm really hard on, on the people I love or whatever your habits and tendencies are. We all have them, right? We want to kind of like just be curious about what we're bringing into any moment. Then we want to learn how to get in touch with our own heart. And this is the place underneath the thoughts, underneath the stories, underneath all of the busyness and the anxieties and the fears. So one way that I do that is through breath and sound and tuning into beautiful music. You could do it through prayer, singing, dancing, whatever helps you to get underneath the thoughts. It could be microdosing mushrooms if that's your thing. Something that helps you get underneath the thoughts and the chaos of the mind, right? And all the busyness into a place of heart. Mm. That is an essential place because we want to really know what the come from is. Where are you coming from in your then diving into, let's say, a sexual manifestation practice, which once you've connected to your heart, like all systems go, baby. You know, mm -hmm. like we know then you're coming from the seed of compassion and love. And that is just mm -hmm. such an important part of the, the equation. Totally. It's such a different feeling when you're out of your head and really dropping into your heart, heart space. Like it's just talking to you. Like I can feel you're speaking from your heart center. You can feel it when you're with someone, you know, whether they're living in their head and overthinking and living outside of their body, or they're living in this more embodied state of, of being. And I wanted, I want to actually highlight your, your first book, Fuck Like a Goddess, because the majority of people think it's all about sex, but I want you to dive into, which I mean, we do, talk about, we do love to talk <laughs> about sex and we can get into it. But I would love to. I would love for you to describe the title a little bit more and what that really means. Yeah. So the title is "Fuck Like a Goddess: Heal Yourself, Reclaim Your Voice, and Stand in Your Power." So I kind of like for me the subhead is like how to fuck like a goddess. Okay, it's like ladies, come closer. If you want to fuck like a goddess, first you got to heal yourself. You got to take inventory. You got to look at all those ways that you're you know, still like restricting calories or looking in the mirror and thinking, God, I'm ugly or, you know, gossiping or whatever it is, right? You know, that negativity or those places towards yourself or others. And then the second thing you got to do is you got to reclaim your voice. You got to find what's true for me. Who am I? What do I have to say? Like, where do I need that liberation? And then you have to stand in the power of like, this is who I am. I claim all of me. My body is sacred as it is. My sexuality is sacred as it is. My voice, I'm not too much. I'm not, not enough. 
So that, that fuck like a goddess is really like, yeah, it's a little bit of a trickster energy that I hold in general. Mm -hmm. It's like, let me lure you in <laughs> and then let's like, let's go deep together. And it's funny. I got a message the other day, this woman being like, I, I got your book because I thought I was going to go into the Samantha phase from Sex and the City <laughs> of my like love life. And I'm going to be like fucking all over town. And then she was like, but then you got me. And I was like, oh my God. And I was crying and I was healing around my eating disorder. Oh. And I was healing around my sexuality. And now, and then I got Reiki training and now I'm doing this and now I'm doing that. And it was just, it was such a beautiful message because I think that's kind of part of the title of that book where fucking like a goddess is essentially getting really real, really true, really embodied, really open hearted and making mm. love to your whole life from there, from this like really holistic standpoint, which is a bit more of a poetic, metaphorical interpretation. We live in such a literal society that like yeah. a title like that, it's hard for people at times to go, could that be a metaphor? <laughs> you know? Totally, totally. And I have to say those things can, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. I'm like rereading your book. Absolutely. I'm rereading your book right now. And let me say, Brandon, last night was like, I can affirm that you fucked like a goddess. And I was like, <laughs> see, those things that cannot live. Yeah. I, you know, you it, reading your books and your words, it like imbues like such sacred energy into my everyday, into the mundane. And it helps me drink, like remind, it reminds me to like drink up the juice of life. Mm. And like, we are creators living in such a divine world of creation. And on that note, there's such an interconnectivity between those two things, right? Like the divine feminine energy and creation overall. And you even highlight in your book, which I, it reminded me like, the vocal cords, like the shape of your vocal cords and how it mirrors this, the shape of your vagina or your vulva. Mm -hmm. Can you get into the intersection of those two things? Mm -hmm. And like, I think yeah. we all know it through the lens of like the sacral chakra and they live together, but I feel like you have such a beautiful yeah. way of unpacking it. Yeah. Well, on a very physiological level, your jaw and your pelvic floor are connected. And there's like, so I went to get yes. a colonic a long time ago. Well, it was really because I, I made a show called Be Here Nowish and it's a comedy show. And we went to do a colonic, a couple's colonic as a scene in the show. Stop. With second date, me and the other, you know, my, the other character were like, it, it was a, it's a parody about LA yeah. kind of spirituality and healing culture, which, which we did, we made, I mean, a decade ago now. Anyway, so, but when I went to go this, this colonic, the the woman there, I think her name was Tanya. I remember this. She said, you know, the jaw and the pelvic floor are really connected. So in order to get the colonic little thing in your bum, you first have to soften your jaw. Right. And then she was like, then your, your anus will soften, your pelvic floor will soften. So, so what I see in a lot of women is they have pursed lips. So they're resting, not their resting bitch face, but their resting listening face, we'll call it, has pursed lips and a tight jaw. So that really speaks to what they're carrying in their pelvic floor, in their rectum, in their vulva, which is tightness. And this, of course, makes sense, right? We have mm -hmm. live in a very in intense world. We don't always feel sexually safe to not be tense. And then we also come from a repressive like lineage, most of our ancestors. So. One of the things that I, I see in women, which immediately relates to this connection between the throat and the 
uh, vocal cords that goes down mm-hmm. into the heart space. And now I'm talking a little less physiological and more energetic. But the where you feel in your heart that warmth, right? When you're like feeling the warmth of love and that heart field where there's been so much science studying that the electromagnetic field of the heart is so large and it's a real thing, right? So when you are essentially softening through your face, your jaw, your mouth, then you you soften through the vocal cords, it creates a softening down through the heart, which allows mm. for more essentially energy. That continues all the way down to your cervix. And if you were looking, you know, up in this sort of other direction, then you would see that cervical area looks similar to the throat. So why we carry trauma through that whole sacred line, we know. We know we carry so much there. We've been inherited from our grandmas, our great grandmas, our mamas. And why we carry tension there is also, again, like, because we haven't, it hasn't always been safe to feel open there. But we need to learn how to open there in relationship and in intimacy, right? We want to learn how to have that direct link between our voice, our throat, the breath, the heart opening all the way down to the cervix. And it becomes in in like Chinese medicine and there, in, in some Eastern, other Eastern kind of energetic, and there are meridians that go from the lips on your mouth, all the way down to your vulva lips. Mm. And as you work on softening the lips on your mouth, you can actually really just pause and feel all the way down your vulva lips softening. So, you know, you can get as deep and esoteric around this as you want, and you can get scientific about it and they both apply. Wow. That's fascinating. And I want to touch on I mean, when you're when you're opening up within your within yourself, you're obviously going to be more open to calling in a partner, or creating like a sacred partnership, or just like a conscious relationship. How can you talk a lot about just like feelings overall in your new book, Dare to Feel? And like, how can we? I guess how can we feel more so we can create more of these sacred unions and partnerships? Yeah. Well, my first book was really about doing the solo kind of cleanup and sort of empowerment and opening. And and my second book is about, well, once we've done all of that beautiful opening, how do we bring that to partnership and what arises or relationship, what arises when we turn towards another, right? We can do all this healing work and empowerment on our own, but then what? We look at another, they trigger us, they, you know, and then we're back at, wow, how do I open in the face of you know, a parent that's hurt me, a friend that's hurt me, a partner who I'm upset by. And so my second book is bringing it into the relational field. First, we have to learn how to feel those uncomfortable things as we open in the face of another. And that in itself is a completely different art, which I know you know, because you're in a deep partnership. I'm sure things come up all the time. We all know also in friendships with our parents, et cetera. So my book, I don't just talk about, you know, romantic relationship. I talk about friendship. Uh-oh, one second. I talk about friendship. I talk about, I talk about essentially any relationship that you either have the opportunity to open your heart and face the material that comes up. It could be grief. It can be rage. It could be, I want to shut down. It could be childhood stuff that arises, or how do I stay open here? And the first step is learning to discern what's yours, what's not yours, 
what emotions are arising. Now I have to feel in front of another person. Now I have Mm -hmm. to actually express these feelings as a part of my intimacy. Now I actually want to express these feelings artfully in a way that opens the heart of my partner. So all of this are sort of like stepping stones of intimacy. Just learning how to feel, feel your feelings and discern what they are is one whole skill set. Then learning how to communicate them kindly is another skill set. Then bringing them in artfully is another skill set. Then ask, could I bring in what my heart is feeling as a crucible of opening and a devotional act to my partner? So essentially centering the relationship and wanting whatever I have experiencing, whatever I have going on to bring us closer together. So they're kind mm-hmm. of like stepping stones. So the book isn't just about feeling. It's like, great. Yeah, that's really important. But let me tell you what's next after that and how it can support you to get closer to love. Right. And I feel like there's so much, I mean, you have a line in the book that talks about, and I think this was in, actually in regards to a plant medicine ceremony and solo healing, but I, I think it's so good to because you reframed baggage, which is such a negative connotation, as a gift. You know, like mm. there's so much juice and there's so much goodness. Can you share a story when you moved through like a challenging instance in your relationship and like what you did to move through it personally and with the, with your partner? Yeah, let me kind of try to zone in on a good one. Well, I think that some of my own early attachment patternings and wounding, let's say say on a really basic level, not getting into anything too heavy, but my parents were divorced when I was five. So when I was five, my mom and I moved from one state to another state to uh, be closer to my mother's family. So I experienced this early heartbreak of my dad and feeling like he was gone. So that left an imprint in a five-year-old. A five-year-old can't really understand why that happened or et cetera. So that fear, let's say, of someone leaving Mm. existed for me, especially in relationship to men, which my pattern was, well, don't let them leave because be the one that leaves first. Oh, Mm. very smart strategy, right? So in my other relationships, until I met my current, you know, father of my baby and current love, in my other relationships, I made sure that I was always a little bit more in control so that I would never get, quote unquote, left. When I met my partner now, I realized, oh shit, I can't control this guy. This is a real man. Like he's a man, man. (laughs) It scared Mm. me at the time. And I was like, and there's no way that I can control his behavior or stay out on top. And I don't want to be kind of considering, am I going to be the one that leaves first, even on a deep subconscious level, right? A lot of this I can say in retrospect, because I've had a lot of contemplation around it. But at the time, a lot of this is happening unconsciously for us. We're choosing partners that we say can control or that, but unconsciously, right? So, so I can say now, cause I've thought about it a lot and I've reflected on it a lot. So one thing that I got to face, which was essentially you could call baggage, but one thing I got to actually release and open and let go of was that tendency. And I got to face my fear of being abandoned again, which was how, you know, it felt when my parents got divorced, though my father actually didn't abandon us, but that's how it felt, you know, as a little girl. So with my current partner, I got to 
face my fear of if I open my heart to this man, and if I really show up to the intimacy, and what happens if he leaves, I'll be devastated. Mm-hmm. And I got to face that fear of abandonment to the point that, you know, I had some epic cries and we had some epic ruptures and he stayed there present for me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm just going to stay in the room. I'm here. Uh-huh. And that part of my baggage got to heal. I'm sure that you are such a mirror for so many people right now because I know you are for me as well. Because when I met Brandon, he opened up something inside of me. Like the demons inside of me were unleashed like they never have been before. And I was like, what the fuck? Like what is going on? And But it's like things when you're in partnerships and you feel safe enough to unearth these things, they can be finally clear, right? right. And it's like having someone that's like, I'm not going anywhere. Like I see you for you. You and I'm like here, I'm like holding you, I'm supporting you. I mean, like, how powerful is that? Like, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's so, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's a, an incredible mirror for me as well. And you mentioned your beautiful daughter. She, this woman not only birthed one book, but like another whole baby or one baby, but two babies, <laughs> and which is incredible. And I mm-hmm. want to learn a little bit more about how just like the journey of becoming a mother has impacted your view of all of this? Like what has changed? What has come up in regards to love relationships and just the divine feminine overall? Yeah. Great question. So much has shifted in such a beautiful way. And in the years where I was preparing to become a mama and knowing that I wanted to, and we were just waiting for our relationship to kind of anchor in, in a particular way before we started trying. I mean, I would have started trying right when we met. I'm like, okay, you're it. I want it. <laughs> but he's like, Oh, really? You knew right away? Take a deep yeah. breath. I mean, I, I did. I, and I had been kind of waiting for a conscious man who could meet me in a deep level. And I kind of, I just knew I was like, this is really special, mm. but It was beautiful that we took time to get to know each other and have so much fun and travel so much together and heal through all of this attachment stuff, creating a secure relationship, which is really important. I would say, look, if you can do that before having a child, I imagine it makes a world of difference. If we would have had a child like two years prior while we're still sifting through some of our issues, then our daughter would have been in the mix of that. And I'm just so glad that she's not considering what I've gone through as a child. So part of the journey to becoming a mom for me was allowing a transition from that maiden energy into a mother energy, into a mature energy as a woman. And that took time. And it also was a process that involved grief, letting go of old parts of myself, looking at different things that I had identified with that actually no longer fit, friendships Mm -hmm. that no longer fit. There's actually a real um, transformational process that I gave myself space for in a way by default because we were taking our time. But I got to hold, oh, wow, who who am I becoming? And who am I, what am I no longer resonant with? And I mean, this is to give a really silly example like I used to post a lot of sexy pictures on Instagram and I was in a phase of my reclamation which was essential and my body healing which was essential and then I realized oh wow I think I did that 
Like I think I did it enough mm. and it felt good and I got it, checked that off the, you know, my list. And now it doesn't feel as true anymore. And then I had to go, well, who am I if I'm not leading with my sexuality? Like, who am I if I'm not leading with my beauty or that kind of thing? Like, I really got to sit with that and sit with, okay, what happens if I lead from my heart? Boring. Low engagement. <laughs> no, not so much black and white, but it's just a very different scenario, right? So I got to really investigate that stuff before becoming a mama. And, you know, what's funny is after becoming a mom, I actually feel sexier than ever before. I feel more embodied. I feel so ripe mm -hmm. and full. I feel more beautiful and I haven't gotten Botox in over a year because, you know, you don't want to get that when you're preparing for, for having a baby. You don't want to get it when you're breastfeeding. So I also cleaned up my, my food and my beauty, which you probably have already done because of your journey with your health. And I had done it several times, but I went fine print on the last round. You know, it was like, ooh, I had that one retinol cream. Nope, got to go. I had that one AHA cream. Got to go. You know, mm -hmm. those little kind of things, right? Right, that reflected, wait, I'm kind of coming into total integrity with myself because now it, it has to do with my daughter. Anyway, but so, so all that being said, I feel more in my fullness as a woman than I ever have before. And I am paying way less attention to some mm. of the things that the maiden me had paid attention to. Right. I remember, oh, there's so much I want to pack into. We're going to have to have you back to like dive into more of these <laughs> stories. But there's one story that was so, that resonated with me so much and just helped me shift out of a little bit of ego, your blowout story in your book when you were traveling to, to India. And it just like felt more liberating. And like that, just that process of like surrendering and letting go <laughs> to like what is and really like rediscovering like the juice of life just in like your natural, like messy quote unquote, which are like everyone is like gorgeous, obviously, in our most authentic self. But yeah, it's like, I'm sure there's a rediscovering of that when you're going through motherhood. One, because practically there's not enough time. Like there's yes. not enough time in the day. And I think that's the case when you're building a new brand or a new business. I have like a new baby business on the way. And it's like, no fucking joke. Like you really do like learn to love yourself on like a deeper soul level. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's beautiful. And I'm sure from like just a birthing a child's like, you're feeling into that creation center like you were talking about. I'm sure you just have like such a more palpable connection to that center and that, I mean, that energy overall. Like I pushed a almost 10 pound baby out of my vagina, oh my you know, like I feel like I'm a total goddess, you know, and yes. I can walk through life like, wow, that was amazing and crazy. I mean, and women do it all the time. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I cannot believe women do this all the time. Wow. Supernovas. Wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> super, I just, supernovas, superheroes for how they manage everything. I feel like Ruby should like come in and talk about that. It's just like, it's incredible to like, to see what mothers can do. We're going to have to talk, like have you back to talk about that whole journey because I feel like that there are so many stories in and of itself and just like I'm sure there's so many rituals that you did as well to like clear really? your own energy and like ancestrally as well. Like, yeah, the preparation for getting pregnant was its whole journey and I spent a lot of time on it because I was hope like I was waiting and so 
definitely that's one I will share about in a future time or whenever it comes up because I, I'm an overachiever, I have to say. And so I was really like doing all of the things and learning all of the things because I wanted to really nail it. And, and I'm so grateful that we were able to just, you know, get pregnant easily and naturally, but I was definitely preparing Mm. for a few years prior. Is there anything in particular that stands out ritual wise that you felt was really powerful in that preparation process or like ceremonially even? Yeah. Well, this is actually a little bit more basic than the ceremony or ritual, but I will say as a former type A busy woman, overachiever, the biggest thing that I see with the people that I love or clients who are not getting pregnant is that they're trying to get pregnant while still being so freaking busy and being in go mode. So I had to soften into receiving mode and I'm talking deep receiving mode, which is you have to slow down. You have to get out of yang, you know, giving Mm -hmm. that's like in yin yang, you have to go into deep, deep, deep receiving. And so Mm -hmm. the slowing down, if you know you want to get pregnant in the next few years, start slowing down now. (laughs) Your body has to be able to receive deeply. Now, maybe that's not your curriculum and you're like, girl, I'm killing it. And I got pregnant three times in a row and I was going a hundred miles an hour. So it may not be your curriculum this life. For me, part of my curriculum was like slowing down to be able to receive life and to hold life, right? To be able to hold it so that the body feels like this nourishing, yummy cocoon, right? Where life Mm. wants to be held. So for all, for all of my busy gals, slowing down, taking time to rest, taking time in nature, taking time off your phone, start those rituals now, even if it's just Saturdays, mornings, whatever it is, where you just become soft and mushy. And also let yourself become a bit soft and mushy, right? Let your curves become a bit like juicier, let your belly become a bit softer. That also is like becoming the receptive goddess mode where, you know, fertile crescent, fertile void. (laughs) I think that's so applicable to anything in life beyond birth. Like no matter what you're birthing, these are such like practical like tools, quote unquote, to, to use. Like I feel so fucking abundant when I have like a full fridge of like the most gorgeous fruits and vegetables. And I'm like nourishing myself on a deep soul level. Like, and I'm like really taking time to like be an embodied state of being with like self-care and my healing practices. It's like, that's when I become a magnet for everything. And it's like, not only just like, you know, birthing, yeah, new baby, but like birthing anything. So I think that's so beautiful. Yeah. So, so beautiful. That's how you gestate new ideas too. You go lay Mm -hmm. naked and, you know, eating chocolate in the bath, whatever it is. We all need some like time just naked in the sun, like laying on the earth. Like, yes. I know I could use that a little bit more. Like I'm trying to get out to the West Coast soon to do some of that because it really <laughs> is. I think you call it something in your book actually on Saturdays. Yeah. In my first book, in Fuck Like a Goddess, I call it Surrender Saturdays. And oh, where it's like yes. no phone, like sensual 
pleasure, you know, and we, we've reclaimed that as a family now where we're doing like mm. cacao and poetry and tea ceremony and lovemaking when baby's napping and sometimes a microdose, you know, or being in nature. But yeah, it's really important, I think, to have times and off the phone, phones away, you know. Right. And that's when you can really tune into just like the natural ebb and flows of the universe, right? And just yeah. like your intuition more and just feel the interactivity yeah. to all that is. I love that. And I actually mentioned it this morning to Brandon. So we'll be doing that moving forward. Good, Surrender good, good. Saturdays. Okay. Before we jump off, I end with a series called Face Off. And we do a series of quick fire questions that are meant to be answered in two to three sentences. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. We kind of touched on this one, but what are you currently doing to, oh, to slow down and re-sacred life right now? Dance. Sensual dance Ooh. has been so good for my body. It's kind of like reclaiming the young girl and me who grew up in Miami and Atlanta, but bringing the sacredness to her booty shaking. I love that. There's so many new dance studios popping up around New York City too. And like, I just love the rise and like the reclaim of this like sexy divine feminine energy, especially when it comes to dance. Love that. You can also do that in their home too, anywhere. I do it at home in front of the mirror. <laughs> Ooh, yes. That's actually great mirror work for you to be mm. uncomfortable. What are you currently doing to learn and grow right now? I'm learning a lot about parenthood. So I'm taking a really great class right now by um, a woman named Rochelle. Her Instagram's Innate Traditions. It's called Physiologic Baby Care. And mm -hmm. she is just a wealth of knowledge in terms of like nursing and sleep and child rearing and getting back to some of our innate wisdom outside of the sort of dysfunctional over cultures lens of parenting. Ooh, love that. And you mentioned actually before some of the the spiritual tantra books, the books on sex and sacred sexuality. Do any come to mind that were really just profound in your in your journey? Yeah, I mean, all of David Data's books have changed my life. I go back and reread them. Intimate Communion, A Blue Truth is an incredible book. I would have that book close by to your bed, Dear Lover, if you're single. And then I remember like Margot Anon's book, The Art of Sexual Ecstasy, was an old school one that is really great. What are some of the other old school ones that are really great? I also just like Anais Nin's Erotica. I've read off and on for my whole life of just, mm. if you have a surrender Saturday and you're in the bathtub and you can pick up one of her, her erotica books, not her journals, light some candles, you know, pour yourself some cacao or wine and just read the erotica. That's its own experience, mm. not an instructional one, but more of an experiential one. Beautiful. What is one thing you wish people knew about you? Hmm. I think that I've done a lot of service work outside of maybe what people would see on Instagram. An important part of my life since I was a teenager is how to bring what I have and what I've cultivated outside of the kind of community or space that I exist in. So that started for me quite young, like I said, as a teenager, like even just like 
cooking in homeless shelters or helping build houses. I've done a lot of work mentoring women, teens in using storytelling as healing, using art as healing, doing circles for moms in shelters. That for me, having working with sex trafficked teens, for me, having a component of my work that is service oriented that I don't like maybe share about all over the internet. But I think that I'm hoping to have more and more space to center that as a part of my work ongoing. I have a desire to at some point make some sort of a nonprofit or team up with one really consistent, mm. consistently so that I can translate some of the work I've done with women there. So yeah, that's kind of a seed planting for the future. That was more than three sentences. <laughs> it was so much more than three sentences, but that was necessary. You killed it. And I and people need to know that about you because you really do have such a robust philanthropic philanthropic side you just like overflow but that's i mean that's like such a good way to crack our hearts open you know if you're feeling lost in any way like give back like do service and i feel like through that it's a good way to like reconnect with yourself totally Mm. i i truly have so many other questions but we have to wrap up (laughs) what can we expect from you growing forward two books a mom you are just like a speaker leader podcaster what can we expect well my partner and i are going to do a couples coaching and mentorship program at some point this year which i'm really excited about we we feel inspired to share a lot of what we've learned as lovers friends practitioners parents yeah, bring that together. So I feel inspired to work more in the sex and relationships and supporting people on that journey in that space, which is a very parallel to my own journey, kind of getting in that empowered space as a woman and then finding partnership and bringing that to other people. So I'm really happy to support women on that journey right now of how to open the heart into partnership, into becoming a mom, how to face some of those harder edges in relationship. And so I do see clients in one-on-one coaching containers and I have a group membership where I do that work in a group. And yeah, beyond that, I'm not sure. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I mean, you're going to help so many, so many people. And I feel like Brandon and I are, are on a ever evolving like soul and growth journey. And I feel like it's supportive for so many people like on the spiritual spectrum, on the growth spectrum. So I'm, I, I can't wait for that to come out and for you to share more of that work with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find you? So you can go to my website, alexandraroxo.com, or you can find me on Instagram at alexandraroxo. Please go buy my book, Dare to Feel. Again, this is just, yeah, it's like how to bring that open heart, that emotional intelligence into intimacy. And it's told through the lens of stories. So the lessons are coming at you through stories, but there are practices and rituals at the end of each story. So it's an experiential journey into your heart and it will touch on places in you likely that need to be opened. Very different than Fuck Like a Goddess, which is very direct coaching voice. Like, here's what you're going to do. Get out there and da 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 da. So they're, they're both different sides of me. One is a bit more subtle and nuanced and emotional, dare to feel and fuck like a goddess is a bit more in your face, like the title. <laughs> 
They're both so good. You have to buy them both. They've been so supportive on my journey. I'm still halfway through Dare to Feel, and it is just, it, it is filling me on a deep soul level. Literally every cell in my body, I can feel it. So thank you so, so much for this conversation. So heart opening, and I hope, I'm sure everyone has felt the same, and we'll have to have you back. Oh, thank you so much. I would love to come back. I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you so much for supporting and listening to Facing Forward. I am genuinely so grateful for each and every one of you. If you feel called, please review and subscribe to this podcast. It would seriously mean so much to me and help support the production of this podcast. If you do proceed to read and review Facing Forward, please send a screenshot of your review to Jessica at kara-lad.com and we will send you a free clarity exercise that I've used over the years to help me really connect deeper to my purest, fullest, most authentic expression. In the meantime, you can follow me along on Instagram at Lad, on TikTok at kara.lad and subscribe to my Substack Growing Forward. Again, I'm so grateful you're here on this journey with me and I'm super excited to keep going and growing forward together. Big love.